this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Gentlemen, the hopes and dreams of an entire town are riding on your shoulders. You may never matter more than you do right now. It's time. Now, if you want to win state, you're going to have to beat a team of giants, a team of monsters over in Dallas that outweigh you about 30 pounds a man. This is real sincere warfare. We're in the business of winning. Should we believe the hype? What hype? The hype about Booby Miles. Now, hype is something that's not for real. I'm all real. What's it like being the quarterback? I mean, this is a big responsibility for a 17-year-old kid. Do you think you can handle it? No, that is not acceptable. Hope so. Your dad played at Permian. What's it like to be the son of a local legend? Tell me why you can't hold on to the ball. Maybe this is hell. Hold on to football. Next question. A ball carry. Give me just one touchdown. Just one. Hey, 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 son, come here, come here. Where are you going? You don't, you don't want me to go in, coach? You don't want a helmet? My goodness gracious. One day when you look back at this time, I dare you to beat it. I dare you. I come from a long line of coin collectors. and Gown, the podcast where four old millennials talk about the high school and college movies from back in the day when we were high school and college students to find out what made the grade and what should have been held back. Representing the class of 03, I am your co-host Crooks. Joining me this week and every week, he sings like an angel and drinks like a fish. The class of 04's own Big Hearn, David Oscar Hernandez. What up, Dave? Not much, man. Excited to talk about this one. I'm, I'm used to doing comedies you know, like talking about Club Vandersex and pie fucking. This is completely different. It's there's like some heart here, and I really appreciated it. Well, this was a a real drama that I did not know was a real drama. This is a little bit of a save the last dance kind of a head fake, but it's not. It's more dramatic than that. Um, so many wet also, eyes, just wet, wet eyes, man. Wet Big, eyes. wet, Steve Buscemi eyes all <laughs> over the place. Uh, joining us in the class of 03, she is one half of our very own Texas two-step, the one and only big sis, Megan Mills. What up, Megan? Hey, guys. Um, I'm still in Kansas City, actually, right now, uh, but I, I guess I must be missing Texas because I chose uh, this very Texas uh, movie this week, so... I'm not missing the Texas heat, though. It's very nice here. I was cold this outside. Movie was, this movie was Texas. This movie yeah. was the film version of King of the Hill. It was literally was like... the epitome of Texas in every way. <laughs> uh, rounding up the two-step, this podcast chief literature and trivia correspondent from the class of 01, Dana Griffin. What up, Dana? Uh, not much. Um, 
Today at work, I almost won a trivia contest and we placed second. So I'm feeling a little bad today right now, but I'm hoping yeah. talking about Friday night lights will pick me back up. Wait, so yeah. not much has happened, Dana? Because I, listeners, I think a lot no, has happened. No, the listeners do not need to know I about my personal life. No. Feel well, man. Feel well, man. Because I, I heard from Dana that she got engaged <gasps> since our last podcast. So, oh, she's twisting my arm. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, but correct, listeners, I am affianced at the moment. Um, yeah. Betrothed. 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 Yeah. Well, congratulations, Dana. That is fantastic Thank news. Hooray. Amazing things happen when you leave your house for the first time in six months. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> On that cheerful note, Megan, what are we talking about this week and where can we stream it? Um, so we're talking about Friday Night Lights. If you haven't gotten the Texas football references so far, um, you can stream it lots of different places. And I will say Friday Night Lights, the movie, not the show, although a lot of probably show corollaries. Uh, cor Oh, Correlation. 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 Oh God. Because I'm not doing the cast rundown. I have to screw up somewhere else, right? Holy um, yeah. Um, but you can stream it on HBO Go, which is where I watched it, Amazon, iTunes, uh, the usual places. And I actually think the synopsis on Rotten Tomatoes is actually pretty accurate and actually sets a really nice stage well it, it gives a lot it gives a yeah. lot of detail away that, so we don't have to go through every ounce of the movie and we can get into the good stuff how about that this is like a four yeah. breath or five breath or look i know <laughs> i'm gonna have to do a few breaths here <gasps> all right so the synopsis is a drama that chronicles the entire 1988 season of the permian high Pan panthers of odessa texas with football players, coaches, mothers, fathers, pastors, boosters, fans, and families struggling with ongoing personal conflicts while the team fights for a state championship. A town for sale, Odessa, Texas has seen better days. The financial bust evident in its boarded up shots, shops and broken lives. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, one <laughs> yeah, one hope sustains the community where once a week during the fall, the town and its dreams come alive beneath the dazzling and disorienting Friday night lights. When the Permian High Panthers take the field in a city where economic uncertainty has eroded the spirits of its inhabitants, nearly everyone seeks comfort in the religion of the Friday night ritual, where the unfulfilled dreams of the entire community are shifted onto the shoulder pads of a team of high school athletes. Damn. And like, and like that sets the stage for the drama that Dave was just referring to. Mm -hmm. This is heavy. Was I the mean, town for sale? I missed that whole I had part. No, I, I, I did it's, not get the impression that Odessa was like a sad, broken down, like economically well, depressed well, town. Well, uh, we'll, go, we'll go into that a little bit later. It wasn't like yeah. technically for sale, but this happened in like the biggest oil bust of the century. And like that whole town was basically founded because of the strength of oil and like had nothing else. I mean, this, the way that they set it up sounds not unlike a Schitt's Creek scenario where like the mm -hmm. town is just like 
big old piece of shit. Like it's all falling apart. Everyone hates it. There were so many shots of like businesses with signs on the door saying they were going to the game. I didn't see any boarded up businesses or like, I mean, everyone seemed to be doing okay. None of the players were like missing practice to get a second job or unsure how they were going to like get food for their families or whatever. Well, I mean, there, there weren't second jobs. Like literally this is like I a guess, dust yeah. bowl. Like, Touche. This, no this is a jobs. dust bowl where you're either working in the oil rigs or just being on the football team. Woof. Well, on that note, do you want to kind of go around here and uh, give some memories of uh, us seeing this movie prior to the pod? Megan, um, you picked this one. What was your experience with it before the podcast? I actually hadn't seen this movie fully through before the podcast. Okay. <laughs> I am I'm literally obsessed with the TV series and I have watched it in the past four years, I think four times all the way through. And like the first season is, they're like hour long episodes and the first season is like 20 something episodes. Um, so it's been my recent re-binge on the uh, coronavirus pandemic <laughs> binge series. Um, and so I was like, well, I know there's a book, I know there's a movie. I'm interested to see um, the difference. So I just had to pick it. Having seen both, was the show better than the movie? Like, was it, I guess, was is the show similar to the movie or is it like more of a modern? Because I didn't realize this was a period piece until the movie started. So it's not a period piece necessarily because it's just about like that whole region um, that is literally founded on only oil which it started in like the 1920s. So it was actually, I think, set in real time at the time. Um, but this one was set back in the 19 or 1988 when they had that big bust. Um, so compared to the, so I, there's going to be a lot of things I'm going to go into later, but compared to like generally the TV series and the movie, the movie I, I thought was a little bit more of like a historical novel like come to life mm -hmm. versus the tv series you actually dig into characters and you get to understand like the situation that all of these people were in and i didn't feel like you got a lot of that in the movie sure didn't uh dave what were your experiences prior to the pod uh similar to megan's i saw the tv show first watched that through i've watched it through a couple times i love that show uh, and then I found out, yep, it was based on a book, which was a movie before the show came out. Like, so I'll check that out too. But I hadn't seen it until yesterday. And it right. was, uh, it was excellent. This is, this is one of those sports movies. Like, how did I let this get past me for so long? Yeah. Was, Dana, do you concur? I, I don't think you do. I, um, what was, I guess before we get to that, had you seen it before the podcast? No. Um, I've never seen this movie <laughs> until yesterday either. So I'm in Dave's boat. Um, I have seen like one and a third episode or seasons of the TV show. Um, I think it was like the first TV show I ever streamed on Netflix and got through the whole first season, started the second. It was like, this show is, and I think a lot of people acknowledge the second season gets off to a weird start that I Very never weird. recovered from. Something, something yeah. crazy happens, folks. Check <laughs> Very it out. crazy. Um, but yeah, so the first, I, first time I saw the movie was yesterday and slash today because I finished it uh, before the podcast tonight. So yeah, this okay. is a, a new one. 
movie. This is, this is, I think, the second time that none of us had seen the movie before doing it for the pod. I, um, I had never seen this before, had not seen any of it before, like even a small clip of it. And I can remember that it came out um, in the fall of 04, which would have been um, like my sophomore year at college. I took myself very seriously at the time in terms of my football playing. It was a, a huge part of my life all through high school. And my high school football career ended pretty tragically. Word to Steve Schofer couldn't cover a fucking receiver down the field to stop him kicking a touchdown to win the game in the playoffs. I've gotten over it. But I, I remember at the time when this came out, I'm like, I don't, it's too close to home. I can't watch it. I can't. I can't watch any high school football stuff right now. Like, it's still too raw. It hurts too bad. So I, I had never seen this before. I'm kind of sad that I didn't. Um, let's quick kind of go around here. Megan, um, having seen this, I guess, also in the context of the show, did the movie make the grade for you or should they have held this back? So I wish I had actually seen the movie before the show because I think my answer would have been completely different. After seeing Kyle Chandler play like the main coach, um, which I know we're, we're in a different time, time frame. We're not in 1988 um, when Kyle Chandler is playing that character in the show, but like his portrayal of the coach is the best that like could ever be. And I, oh, wow. and then, yeah. And then Taylor Kitsch's portrayal as, um, his character and like the, the sort of same character that was in the movie. It just, I don't know. I just felt like the character portrayals in the TV show were so much phenomenally better than the movie that I just, I'm going to say it's a, it's a held back. That's unfortunate. That is, but we but, don't really have a whole lot of those around here. I feel like, but I, I'm going to say if, I, if that TV show hadn't existed and this movie just stood alone, I think it would have been probably more of like a B because, okay. you know, in terms of like a sports type of movie, I think it was an interesting story. Yeah, you're kind of grading on a curve a little bit here, having, you know, seen, I guess, what it could have been and then to see what the movie was about, I see that giving kind of a, a bit of a letdown. Um, Dave, did this make the grade for you or should they have held this back? I thought it was a good movie. It wasn't a great movie. Um, I enjoyed it. There was a lot of emotion, just mm -hmm. all, all over the place, all sorts of feelings everywhere. Uh, that, that Billingsley kid, who I'm guessing is supposed to be kind of like Tim Riggins. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. yeah that's he got his, all the emotion. Just so, his eyes were just so wet, just, all, so just wet. always crying. I mean, I, I understand that that's a, your dad is a dick. He's a terrible person, but he's always always crying or right at the edge of crying no matter what and i'm like i he must be completely like messed up emotionally which makes sense when you come from a family like that and they were everyone had their own difficulties and, and went through it and so on and, and and you get to the end i thought the football at the end was in the championship game was good we'll probably talk about that more what yeah I'm someone sure who played will. football brian crooks will know more about that mm -hmm. but um, it was exciting at, at the i had no idea who was supposed to win at the end all, all that stuff and it, it was satisfying. I, uh, I enjoyed it and uh, it, it hit some good notes. I'll say like a B. There were just some, it, it just wasn't 100%, but it was pretty good. Okay. 
Dana, did this make the grade for you too, or should they have held this back? I thought it was a fine movie. Uh, I think trying to adapt like all of that stuff, like I think as you, as Megan went through it in in the Rotten Tomatoes recap, I was like, wow, there's a lot of that did not, that did not make it in. So. I think they bit off a lot. It is a book. I thought it was just an article. So I thought, I was like, oh, it's okay. But yeah, they probably had to leave a lot of stuff out. Um, It was fine. Um, I have questions about some of the football. That's fine. This will be another week where it's like a a, a pass fail. And I'm going to say pass. I'm not leaving it back. It was fine. It gets to go on. Get out of my sight. Move on with your life. (laughs) Get out of high school. For me... (laughs) This one really, really made the grade. Like, I, I had a lot of fun watching this. I was genuinely, like, mad at my self-serious college self for not seeing this. I'm pretty sure um, we were home for Thanksgiving of 04, and, like, a bunch of my old teammates were going to see it. I'm like, no, nah, man, I can't do it. It's, I've, I've, it's too dark. And so I think, you know, I, Megan knew me at the time. I, our last game left quite a scar that took a long time to heal. Um, but I think that watching it, um, and I've seen a lot of, you know, football movies, obviously, like Remember the Titans, we did Varsity Blues here, uh, the program is among my favorite movies of all time. This one, I think, had, like, the most realistic-looking football scenes in it, and there's a lot of, um, like, football jargon that takes place in a couple of scenes, but this is all actual football talk they're doing. It's not I've got a couple of friends who are doctors and they make fun of like the dialogue in Grey's Anatomy all the time about like nonsense medical words all strewn together. Like this was actual strategy. This was actual football they were discussing, which made me feel a lot more like I was really in the movie. Um, and, yeah, I, you would know, agree. I, I would agree. Yeah. The, football, the fo- actual football and the football moments were very specific, like specifically well done. Yeah, I think it's it's very easy in a football movie um, to make all of your plays look like, you know, 80-yard bombs to a diving receiver. And there were a couple of those, but I mean, specifically the scenes where they were running the ball, I'm like, running the ball is fucking chaotic. There's people mm-hmm. falling down everywhere. There's guys like running across your face two feet away. They They captured that a lot better, I think, in this movie where in the background, of a lot of the running plays, and there was a lot of running in this movie because it's like a run-based offense. You could see guys getting like blindside blocked in a way that really happens in a game. It didn't, it wasn't like a, you know, a gigantic hole opens up that you can just kind of stroll through. I had a lot of fun, especially that last game, watching the actual football be played, which I think is a big deal for any kind of a sports movie. So for me, I'm giving it an A. Like I, and I think because I haven't seen the show, which Apparently he's better. What? Um, Get out of here. I, I've not. I, you know, I, I, I did, I've, I've seen um, Friday Night Tykes, which is the reality TV show about Pop Warner football in Texas. That is, who boy, that is just child abuse on screen. No, <laughs> that was every, every dad is Billingsley. <laughs> so I think I'll, I'll, I'll sprinkle some of that in here, here and there, but I really, really did love that. Um, because this is Megan's movie, we got a little bit thrown off of our regular routine here and forgot to do the cast rundown. So, Dana, if you could, fill us in on who's in this. Sure. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton plays Coach Gary Gaines, which um, 
this will be like i didn't actually learn anybody's name in this movie i just wrote down their actual names so this will be the first for me to hear these character names um lucas black played mike winchell garrett hudland was don billingsley Derek luke who was 30 when he filmed this movie played booby miles he looked 30 yeah jay hernandez hernandez was also a full-grown adult brian chavez lee jackson was ivory ivory christian Lee uh, Thompson Young, RIP, found out he killed mm-hmm. himself. Played Trend Chris. Story. Yeah, Comer. Tim McGraw, who I just kept calling Tim McGraw the whole movie. Uh, it was yep. Charles Billingsley. You, you mean Rose. Faith Hill's husband? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Mr. Faith Hill. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mr. Faith Hill uh, played Charles Billingsley. Grover Coulson was LV Miles. And uh, the raven haired goddess that is Colonel mm-hmm. Britain played yeah. Sharon Gaines. Mm-hmm. I'm glad she got connected to this whole production, but she was wasted in this film. She was. She was. She had very little to do. But Disappointing, but she's very good. When she goes on to be Mrs. Coach on the TV show, it's mwah, chef's kiss. She's good. Yeah, there was, uh, there was it, to make another connection to the TV show, Brad Leland, who plays Buddy Garrity, plays yeah. John Aubrey, one of the boosters in, the, in that yeah. bright red uh, Corvette. I wrote they're, they're, down I as like Layla's. Yeah. yeah, I was like, "Oh, Layla's dad is in the movie and the TV yeah. yeah. Oh, guys, I did a, a very deep dive into that, so I'll get into that in oh. a minute. Oh, all right. Yeah. There were there were a couple of good pro athlete cameos too. You, you probably didn't recognize them, but mm-hmm. uh, f- former Cowboys wide receiver Roy Williams, who went to Permian, oh, played, Roy played e. Williams. For, he uh, played an assistant coach for Midland Lee. The Rebels of Robert E. Lee. Oh. We'll probably talk about that later. Uh, Ty Law, Jesus. former cornerback for the uh, – uh, I think he played for the Patriots and a few other teams. Yeah, he did. He played a wide receiver for uh, the Dallas Carter team during the finals. Oh. An adult was in this? You guys, <laughs> the Dallas – An adult Car- played Ruby Miles. You guys, the <laughs> Dallas Carter team was all adults. They yeah, were like was, professional they, they, football players. It was a 40-year-old man on that they, team. They just got like a whole semi-pro team. And just were like, hey, you guys are huge. Just played really good football. And uh, there was a dude with like a big bushy beard. That was a grown man. Yeah. <laughs> I have thoughts about that. We can save that whole Dallas Carter situation. And if you look closely during the final Billy Bob Thornton speech, the guy standing next to uh, Derek Luke was the real James Booby Miles. He's playing one of the assistants. So oh, that's that nice cool. One. Yeah. And while we're talking about it, does anybody else have any fun facts? I have a lot, but okay. I will start and then I will let other people to <laughs> dabble. So if I you have none, so take your time. <laughs> okay. If you haven't gathered from our discussion, um, this was actually based off of a book. It was H.E. Bissinger, rather's book um, that followed the Permian Panthers of Odessa. And it, it, they were the winningest high school football team in Texas history. And then that was adapted. It's crazy to me. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> that was adapted into this 2004 film. And then actually when the film was being made, same comment as I had before about like in, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, you can't actually get into all the characters and all like the background. And so he actually was like, we need to actually make a TV series. So during the filming of the movie, they decided to make a TV series. Um which is really interesting. And so as Dave mentioned, um, well, Dave and Dana mentioned, there were some other people that were like in 
these movies that were in the later TV series. But Connie Britton, who did not have her greatest performance in this movie, mm-hmm. had her greatest performance as the coach's, Coach Taylor's wife in the TV series. She was phenomenal. Tammy, um, Tammy. Um, she's, a, she's a really great uh, Raina James as well from the TV show Nashville, but we yes. don't need to get into the debate of Connie Britton Listen, highlights. But. I, I, mean, will, I will speak for her in uh, American Horror Story season one, Murder House. She's she amazing is, in that too. She is and she's good at 911. <laughs> She's fantastic. I, I want her to be my mom, my mentor, my friend. Like okay. she could comfortably pass for your mom. I'd, I'd buy it. Okay, great, perfect. Um, and then very randomly, so I because I'm like a crazy TV series Friday Night Lights girl. There were two characters that I had to stop and rewind, and then like do a deep dive on. So it turns out there's Catherine Willis. Um, she is in both the movie and the TV series. In the movie, she plays a racist booster. Which, a little casual like, racism. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> but in the TV series, she plays Jason Street's mother, who is like mm-hmm. the main quarter ga- quarterback who gets injured um, at the very beginning of the series. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler, sorry. Yikes. Um, and then... Also, this is, I cannot corroborate this from all of my online research, but I think it's true. The head ref from the last game who like kind of called one of the major calls, I think he is the same actor as one of the main coaches at the end of the TV series. Okay. Take your word for it. Didn't make it that far. Deep research. I know. Um, Two other quick things and then I'll let other people talk. Um, So so in this, in the movie, the, um, the team also has like, they talk about Mojo a lot and it's capital M. Yeah, a lot. Capital M, capital O, capital J, capital O. The origins are debated quite a bit, um, but according to Boomtown Pod, which um, we'll talk about a little bit later, but it was, was the mashup of two players' names with those initials. So there was like M-O-J-O initials. And so they shouted out Mojo back in the 60s and then it kind of stuck. Um, but that, like the origins of that is like highly debated, but apparently is like their sort of super or, or sub mascot, I guess. Like everything they, they talk about that team is Mojo. Um, very confused by that. Yeah, I, yeah. I was wondering. They, do, they, they talk about it a lot. And um, at one point, I think it might've been at Booby Miles' house, they had like a big yard sign with like a Black Panther doing magic. And I'm like, is that? where the mojo comes from because I was thinking about, um, you know, part of my job, we do a lot of research into like fan bases so we can make pretty specific, we call in the know graphics that only their fans understand. And at South Carolina, black magic is like a big thing from one of their seasons. And I'm like, is this similar to that? It doesn't make any sense given like their mascot or anything. The fact that they just thought we don't understand what mojo meant (laughs) Was, was a lot to me. I'm like, well, they, they talk about it constantly. I'm like, I want someone to at least say, hey, here's what it is. I had no idea. Well, from, from my research on the podcast, from my research online, from my watching the movie, everything, um, the TV show, there's actually, they don't actually know officially the origins. And so that's Classic. probably why. Um, but it was like, kind of like, you know, big mojo. It, it now, I think, has translated into popular culture culture language yeah um and finally 
I found this out that the Friday Night's movie is in reboot right now. Don't know that we need that. I think we do because I think the movie you didn't dig into the characters enough. Like I feel like the TV show you dig too much into the characters, not enough into the football. Mm. The the movie you dig into the football, not into the characters, and you don't like quite bring it together. So I would like to see another another shot at it. Um, uh-huh. I'm just gonna throw out two things. Um, the author of the book, um, I know him as Buzz, not like personally, Me too. but his. Yeah, or his, uh, he's like a writer of other things, but his kids went to the school I used to work at. Um, so we kind of like, we used to try to get him for author events. Um, in like 2013, he did a whole bunch of series of articles on his addiction to Gucci and leather goods. Oh. Um, so <laughs> that's all. Buzz. <laughs> yeah, Buzz likes Gucci and leather. Um, Owns lots of leather jackets. I, I'll I'll share the article because I found it. Um, and then oh. just the quintessential movie of like anytime I think of Friday Night Lights, you just think of that like like it's like an instrument. So I can't think is like the right way to describe it. But the band who came up with a lot of like it scores the movie, uh, Explosions in the Sky, is an Austin band. But most of the band is from the Midland area. So I just thought that was kind of kind of cool. Okay, more Austin tie-ins as apparently. All of our films have Austin tie-ins. You gotta, you gotta. Now that we've uh, we've gotten kind of the formalities out of the way, let's turn this over to the recap. Megan, where do you want to get started? So I'm going to start with a key question because we've done this a couple of times in the, the last couple of episodes. My question is, is this a teen movie? Is this a sports movie? This was not a teen movie. There was nothing teen about it. Um, I, I was expecting there to be like a bad breakup that causes a player to be kind of out of it for a game or, you know, somebody who, you know, is upset because they didn't get into the college that they had in mind or someone that finds that their girlfriend is cheating or going to prom with somebody else. There was nothing about this movie other than the fact that it was about high school football that marked it as like a teen movie for me. This was an adult drama. It's a teen movie in the way that like Stand By Me is a children's movie. Like it's a movie about teens. This is not a teen movie. Uh, that's a, like, I feel like it's tough because I feel like it's, to call it an adult movie, I would, not like an adult, not that way. Um, <laughs> but Guarantees at least one parody of this movie out there somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I think it just lands on like a sports movie. It's definitely not like, to me that much of a drama because there isn't that like character development huge story arc it's so based on the athletics of it all and even the times they try to give us a little bit more about the characters i'm like i don't need this in my life i get it it's sports it's west (laughs) texas keep it on the sports um so i just think it's a sports movie that happens have teenage that happens in a teen environment yeah -hmm. yeah very little of the drama is actually school related it's a lot of family stuff and that could be anywhere. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody in high school to do it. It's just really the football just and the age of the kids is basically all that makes it high school. Everything else could have just been done, just living your life. All the different experiences that the kids have and everything could have happened at any time. Yeah, I, I was going into it thinking, not that it was a teen movie, but like it was more about the people and less about the this, this story of like, um, this particular sport or this particular sport in this particular moment. And so I equated more to like, for the love of the game, 
kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, although in that instance, you get a little bit more about the characters, a little bit less about the game. But it, it's an interesting take on a sports movie. It's almost like a sports, not documentary movie, but like, it's not like a league of their own where you like, again, you get to know the people and the time and the sport. Mm. It's like you, you, you are more focused on the sport, I think, than the actual people in the situation. It reminds me of like, if you, if you watch like a lot of sports, you follow one team, the team will put out these like team produced documentaries about a specific season. Um, like the 2015 Iowa football went undefeated, for example there's going to be like a 2015 documentary that comes out eventually. This kind of felt like that where so much of the movie is you get so much of like what's happening on the field. And then you get little snippets of like off the field stuff between that's how those are. You get like a lot of footage from a game. Then you'll get like locker room post-game celebration. You might get uh, a quick scene of like one player who goes to the children's hospital and like reads book six kids, six kids or whatever. And then it's the next game. This felt kind of a lot like that. The pacing of it was a lot more like one of those following a season documentaries than a teen movie or even like really a, a sports movie because they didn't put a whole lot of weight onto a lot of these games. A lot of the game scenes are pretty short. And so it just kind of was like, we need to show you this game so that we can show you what the final score was to get to the next game. Yeah, I do agree with that. Like there's at one point where I'm like, um, and not to get too far into the plot of this, but like after there's an injury, which we can just talk about or not. Um, I was like, Whoa, how many games have they lost while this dude was injured? And then like in the next football scene, it was like one. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa. Like I thought we just watched a montage of games. And I was like, oh, it's been a week? Well, that's... I'm like, all right, I need, like, erase some shit in here. Like, I would put questions down and be like, oh, well, that's answered. Okay. Like, I just... Yeah, it was at times hard to follow because, yeah, like, kind of as you're saying, like, it just seems like a highlight reel almost of mm-hmm. things. Yeah, and I think they took a lot of liberties because I actually dug into, like, what was real in... Well, what was real according to the book and what was, like, in the movie... And, like, apparently the character who was Booby Miles or whatever was, like, out before the season. There was, like, never this huge drama about, like, is he in? Is he out? Like, what's happening? What's not? Um, I think it was just, like, added. Yeah. Some of that was, like, so foretold. I was, like, I would never seen it. And I guess I have to say this now. Like, my fiancé was sitting next to me. Um, And, like, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the first time I've said that out loud. Um, Or this whole time. (laughs) But um, I was just kind of like, well, you know he's getting hurt. Like, I was just like, it's so, like, this is, like, Chekhov's cockiness. Like, he's getting letters in the mail. (laughs) Like, this is going to end poorly. And then when, like, Homeboy couldn't find his helmet, I was like, oh, shit, this is it. This is when it happens. Okay, a a couple thoughts on on all of that. We talked, I think, during Varsity Blues about how much, like, I invest in – college football recruiting it's not this year I'm, i am not interested at all because i was even back in like june i'm like well the big Ten's going to cancel the season i'm not going to play so i haven't followed as closely this year but for like the last eight or nine years i write like a little dopey newsletter 
I think we're like 15 readers now. It's been the same group of dopes since the first year that I wrote it with like four editions. Um, but I do like a very deep dive into our recruits and I watch a lot of film and talk about like other schools that were after them. When they showed Booby play, I'm like, yeah, that's what you want to see. Like that's the kind of film that I know that, and I've, I've had this happen a couple of times. I think Dave was there for one of them mm-hmm. where like a new player pops up and either gets an offer or commits and you don't know who he is and you want to watch his film. And they're like, holy shit, like he's a grown man playing with these kids. We, um, my wife went to uh, Wisconsin. Um, obviously I went to Iowa. There's a player who won the Heisman for Wisconsin. His name is Melvin Gordon. Played, probably still plays in the NFL as a matter of fact. I've never seen film as incredible as that before when he was in high school. It was like watching Reggie Bush's film. And I called my roommates into my room at like one in the morning. And I'm like, you guys even fucking watch football. Sit down, you're gonna watch this. It's just him embarrassing everybody for like eight straight minutes. That's what Booby Miles was doing. And I'm like, I get why you're this cocky. I want to hate this character for like, I don't need to work out. It's God given. But like, no, dude, like, yeah, you're better than everybody. Like you're, it's like that, um, was that Marcus Dupree documentary? The best thing ever was. It's like that. Oh my God. This was woof. Um, And then I I felt so bad for, yeah, write that down. The best thing ever was. It was one it's of the first ESPN seasons 30 of 30 for 30. 30. It's, it's Marvelous Marcus Dupree. Um, uh, 30 for 30 is good, yeah. Another time, this was a grown man playing high school football. Like, the pictures of him in high school, he is like an Adonis playing in, like, middle of nowhere Mississippi, just running everybody over, and, like, it's, it's something to see. Um, so, yeah, watching this, that stuck out to me. And then also that poor scene with Comer, um, when I was in high school, we weren't allowed to not have our helmets on on the sideline in case this happened to us at some point. Like it was a big no-no to not have your helmet on your head the yeah. entire game because you might lose it if you have to go in. And so, yeah, as soon as it happened, I'm like, at first I'm like, oh, did Boone Miles hide his helmet because he doesn't want anyone to get carries with him. He didn't want to come out of the game. I, I still wonder, but yeah, I felt... I felt that visceral, like, dude, have your helmet in case. I think somebody else, it wasn't Booby, but somebody else, like, played a joke on him on the sideline because I think he was, like, kind of the, it it seemed like to set him up as the joke of, like, you're never going to play because you're the backup to Booby. Um, And I think the whole team was on it. The backup to the backup because Lindsay was Booby's backup, so he was third string. I feel right. like in a booby called like Water Boy or something. He called him like Water something. And I was like, I need to put caption. Water like, Bug. I don't know. Water Bug. Okay. Um, that kid was like a tragic figure in the early in the episode, when, or not the episode, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Where like booby was making fun of him about his cleats. So he starts to cover, color in his white Adidas with a Sharpie right before yeah. practice. I damn near died. I was like, oh, it was so sad. <laughs> Booby's so cool, man. It was so sad. Oh. And he wanted to be cool too. Heartbroken. Heartbroken. Yeah, right that, was, like that. that was tough. Yeah. And I think um, there was a party scene where I think Booby stole his girlfriend as well. She made him walk behind her. I so thought, I thought she was like... holding Booby's hand though. So oh. she, he walking behind her. I think she was holding Booby's hand in that scene. Oh. 
Oh, it was hard to tell. I'm also like writing my notes. So I thought she was like, I'll hold your hand, but like stand behind me because I'm walking behind Booby. So like, I didn't know what was happening. Uh, it just, he was a, a real tragic figure. Oh. And I think I was distracted. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we can dig in more to the football now. Or we can hold it off later. Billingsley is too goddamn tall to be a running back. You can't, he, he was towering over everybody. Well, he was officially a fullback, right? He was, he was a running back. You know, he was the backup oh, running oh. back. Okay. I figured he was the team the Giants. So. There was a dude on the Giants who was huge. I can't remember his yes, name. Yes, that was Brandon <laughs> Jacobs. He was That's... six foot four. There you go. He He's a white four. Brandon Jacobs. That's who I'm talking yes. about. And that, that does happen, especially at the high school level. There was a kid um, who played defensive end at Iowa who was – he broke the – Iowa State record for rushing yards at a game. It was like 580 yards, but they were all in like seven yard increments because he wasn't fast. He was just enormous. <laughs> would like, yeah, he would he would run like seven yards and run over some 105 pound safety and fall over and do that for an entire game. So I get that, but it was just like there were so many moments where I'm like, man, they would make you a safety, they'd make you a line. You can't be six foot five as a running back. Like, Brandon Jacobs is a college linebacker. You don't, you don't play running back at that height almost ever. I think everybody around Garrett Hudlin was short because I don't think he's actually that tall. So. I don't That's think probably true. Either. I think I'm pretty sure it was like six one, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> on the, on the credits. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we can get into the, the nitty gritty of the football playing in just a little bit. Um, but I'm going to kind of go back to like the baseline of the story and sort of like where it originated. Cause I think it's like very important. And I, I touched on it a little bit earlier. So um, I've been listening to this podcast called Boomtown, which I'll, I'll share. Um, but it, it's basically by this guy who is a West Texas, West Texas roughneck. And so that's what they call the people who worked on the oil rigs um, and the oil fields who actually played football in the Permian basin. And so that was the same region as where the Permian Panthers were playing and is now where this story is unfolding. And he's now a writer for Texas Monthly. Um, but basically this region of Texas was basically like a desert and nobody lived there forever. And in like the, 20, uh, the 1920s, they decided to like drill for oil. There's a very long story if you wanna to listen to Boomtown first like two episodes gets down to it, but they finally like gathered enough revenue to actually drill for oil. And for years they drilled and they finally found it. And then now it's this like huge area for oil, but like, it's all about like, if you can find the right spots, if you can find the right, like, I don't know, there's all this terminology I don't quite understand, but it can go very up and down in terms of like, the success of the region um, very, very quickly. And so it was basically the whole, and I wouldn't even say town, it's like this whole massive area was built up because of oil. Yeah. And, um, you know, if one, if one rig is down, then everyone is then turning to the next rig. And so people are like dragging their families across Texas, which if like I, we live in Austin, Dana and I, and if we drive to like West Texas, it's like 10 hours. 
Yeah. Well, Texas is big as shit. Yeah. It's not adventure. like it's not like two yeah. hours away where you can just like go back if it doesn't work out or like if if your family's not there. Like people are dragging their family like a very long way to go here. Um, and so like honestly, outside of oil, football was like all people had. And especially back in the nineteen eighties um in eighty eight where there's this big oil bust where everyone basically lost their jobs and they were in this like dust bowl of Texas with nothing else to do except for watch Texas football. Um, and so there was- I needed more of that in the movie. The movie- I know. It would have given so much more gravity to everything because it's like, they have the shot where you see there's an oil well, like right in the middle of the high school parking lot, which like, yeah. all right. I mean, I, I have a lot of family in um, the LA area. And if you drive, like you see those, we used to call them camels when I was a kid, like the oil well that kind of goes up and down. Um, you know, like those are pretty, pretty visible, but to see one like right in the middle of the parking lot was, was something. And I really wish we would have seen like one player or two that's like, we might have to move because my dad lost his job and there's no oil here left or you know, a bunch of foreclosed businesses or whatever. We got really none of that. And it, it would have been nice to get some to really kind of add some gravity to why people cared so much about this team. I know. And I feel like that's why I gave it a C, like this movie, mm -hmm. because I knew about the TV show and I knew about like this podcast that explained all this. And I've just been like doing a little bit of research. And so I just felt like there could have been a better job of setting up like the direness, I guess, of this community and why high school football was like so important. There was also a quote, I think, in the um, podcast where it said like, literally, this was the last chance for high schoolers to be kids because then they <sighs> all immediately had to go back to the oil fields to work and basically have kids right away. Like that was the thing. It was like, this game was literally the last thing they had in life. That's so heavy. Yeah. That's I fucking think, like, heavy. Tim McGraw has that quote, and I was definitely like, uh, all right, yeah. settle down, buddo. You know, like, right. I was like, it's not bad. But I guess, like, you know, 1988, and I've been to, you know, BFE West Texas. Um, it might be the only thing. Yeah, he's like, this is the only thing you're ever going to have. And I was like, all right, Tim McGraw. Pretty cool. sad. You don't <laughs> know his life. Killing him at 17, you're like, yeah, man, you're dead after this. Sorry, bro. Yeah, but, it's, but like that's literally, what it is. Yeah. I mean, they're not educating, like there aren't great educators probably in the middle of the desert where probably there's, not. you know, and then now that area is still like now in a very positive way, it's a very booming area of Texas and there's a lot of jobs and a lot of like very good success, but like they said that a one bedroom in the middle of the desert in West Texas to rent is like $1,500. <laughs> Which in Austin Shit. is like very high if you live like in the city of Austin and you can like, you know, you have a lot of other things, right? Rather than just like, you know, having your family. So anyway, it's just like this very kind of wild, like pocket of, um, of West Texas. Uh, which is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was That's... kind of amazed that they were like a 5A team. But again, this is an 88. Maybe it was different sizes back then. But I was like, I know Permian Basin, like Odessa Midland is 
there are so few people. So like, where are you getting enough kids to pop to get like 2000 kids in a school or whatever it takes? Yeah. I don't know if the dip if it was different back in like the eighties, but that like to be five A, that's like the second largest conference in the state of Texas. So it's yeah, like, it's big. but they're, but they're saying like your radius of people is quite broad because yeah because again, you're like in this massive expansive desert and then your closest school is like 60 miles away, like honestly. And we've got, I mean, obviously there's no desert in Iowa. It's green and lush. But um, if you go out West, like Western Iowa, there are very, very, very small high schools. Um, I had two friends that I met my freshman year um, who were from, one was from like pretty far northwest Iowa. One was very far, very far southwest Iowa, and they had the same area code, which always like blew my fucking mind because there's uh-huh. nobody out there. And so mm-hmm. we have um, there's a, a school that we got a player who recruited um, for this current season. I forget the name of his school um, because it is six different schools combined together into one because they like kept on closing the schools. So the abbreviation is O-A-C-B-I-G, and they all stand for, like, different schools that used to exist. And we also have seven-man football out here, where it's, like, eight-man, I guess, where it's just, like, we can't feel the full team. We have, you know, ten kids in the graduating class. We can't feel the full team. So to see this idea that they were able to get not only, like, full 11-on-11, but, like, in a big conference, I was like, that – I'm not sure what trickery you pulled here. Cause even here where the schools are very far apart, you might get 30 kids in a graduating class. You're not getting a hundred or 500 or anything like that. Just popping out babies. And I think like, I know they call it like Friday night lights, but like um, in like 2018, we, my boyfriend or fiance and I went to um, West Texas a shit ton. So we were like an Alpine a lot. And like, you would see like their football schedule, like hanging on the different things. And it would be like every other, I felt like it was almost like every other Saturday they would have a football game because it was like an adventure to go play the nearest team. Like, cause you're driving. So like this whole Friday night lights thing, I was like, did everybody arrive on Thursday? Like that was just wild to me. Cause like you are gathering like the kids from like a four hour radius together. I feel like the only way you could do it. Yeah. I feel like, again, I'm going back to that podcast. Like, I feel like people were, because the, the area was so broad and everyone had like, your basis was like cattle farmers, right? And so mm-hmm. your, your land is like a hundred acres. And so if you have people who have a hundred acres and then you have these oil rigs and like you, you can't have that many people in that close of proximity. So you're drawing from a lot of different places and maybe it takes three hours for somebody to like drive to school oh nightmare it's crazy yeah no thank you yeah anyway we did not have that no that was not our experience no um i'm gonna go ahead and transition into um some memorable performances Mm -hmm. does anyone have any for me um there were a couple. I'm going to talk about one. I don't want to hog them all. The guy who played Booby Miles was acting his ass off. Like Derek Luke. The, the, Derek Luke. The first time you see him, and I get, I guess because he's like a full-grown adult with a mortgage, I understand why he's really good at acting. 
the first scene you see him in, uh, he is giving off like steaming Willie Beeman. Like he's all of the cockiness and charisma you can imagine, like all rolled up into one. But then they have scenes later on, two of them, where his like emotional acting is incredible. The the freak out that he has in the doctor's office when he finds out that he's not going to go to play that season. Um, I had a similar moment where I broke my collarbone and got the news that it was out for the season. I was 15. I was, I was a sophomore. I had time to play after that still. So for him, knowing that he had all of these colleges on the line, and nowadays, you know, torn ACL, MCL, you probably still have your scholarship. They'll just redshirt you and they will – you know, you're fine in most cases. Some schools will drop you, but for the most part, your scholarship's going to be okay. Back then, that wasn't the case. And so his breakdown was like Regina George level freak out in that moment. That was phenomenal. I mean, he was really, that was great. And then later on, the scene of him like emptying his locker and trying to put on like a brave face and like joke around with his teammates still, and, like, I'm fine. You guys are going to be fine without me and then get in the car and just like lose his shit. Like it reminded me a lot of um, Frank Gore. Uh, Frank Gore is the leading rusher all time for the 49ers. Before that, he played at Miami. And he and Willis McGahee were there either at the same time, like back to back years and suffered two of the ugliest leg injuries you will ever see in your life. They were both awful. Like and Joe Theismann level leg injury? Oh, oh, good. The, the Joe Theismann one is bad. It's yeah. bad. Lattimore? Was, the, was it the yes. NCAA who like fell up? Yeah, Marcus Lattimore, yes. Yeah. It was like that. It was, you watch both of them and it just looks like, well, he's never going to walk again. And Frank Gore um, has a pretty pronounced learning disability. Um, he's, I don't, I know he's got relatively low IQ and like his, he's not, he's got a, a pretty serious like intellectual disability. And there was an interview that I saw with him after he rehabbed and was still able to make it to the NFL. And it sticks with me all these years later. And he was like, you know, when it happened, I went to the doctor and said that I wasn't going to play ever again. I was like, well, I guess I have to bag groceries for the rest of my life. I can't do anything else. Like that's, I, I can play football or I can bag groceries or maybe I can get like a delivery job, but, this is it for me. I have no future without this. And so to see Booby Miles have the same thing where he's like, all I can do is play football. And this is after he saw like the garbage men outside of his house. And he's like, that's my future. His acting I thought was amazing in this movie. I loved watching him on the screen. Yeah, man. Derek Lucas. I remember seeing Antoine Fisher back in the day. He was oh yeah, really good. He was yeah. good in that. And, and he brings it the whole way in this movie. When Maybe I, I thought the crying was a little over the top when he gets back to his uncle in the car, but I, I completely understood it. It was just, yeah. he felt like his, his entire life was over. Was he, it. it was fully designed to just, I'm going to get through this, then I'm going to go to college, then I'm going to get a pro contract, and then it's over. All over so fast. What am I going to do? Um, I just want to update. I didn't mean Lattimore. I meant Kevin Ware from oh, the Louisville Duke game. The basketball, yeah. The basketball oh, one. Oh, Lattimore played at South Carolina. He had a bad leg yes. injury in football. He had a bad, but the dude from the Kevin Ware, that was really bad. Oh, um, his bone yeah. came out. <laughs> yes, that one was, ooh, I think I was It wasn't like, bad. 
yeah so okay sorry just wanted to clear that up guys and you know like we get so much feedback about when we're wrong um on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) corrections out the wazoo right no one cares um but i think just dovetailing off of that i loved uh the uncle of uh booby miles so good Uh, he was really good grover colson um I don't know if we're going to do quotes or not in this one, but I had to rewind it oh, a yeah. bunch of times because it's in that opening practice where the news is there and the scouts and he's just like saying how great um, Booby is. And then he'll, he'll go, hell, that boy will fill up the Gatorade cooler, walk the dog and paint your back porch. And I was just like, I love it. I love so this guy's good. energy. And like even his sadness and when they're in that doctor's office and it's like, you can see it like he's having the realization and I was just like, grab that boy and control him. But it was just kind of like, nope, you got to let him. Oh, I have thoughts about the whole movie thing. And the inj- I, I was very upset about all of that. But yeah, that one hit me really hard. I liked uh, Faith Hill's husband. Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw. He was just a drunk and he was sad that he hadn't really amounted to anything, but he admitted later. Yep. That's just, the way it is out here man and uh, you should enjoy what you have now and uh, it for whatever reason i'm like yep i've i've met people like like that who are trying to relive their glory days through their kids and except yeah the first time you, you really see him is when they're at practice he runs onto the field and starts like really getting his kid's face like beating the shit out of him and wild just no matter what is like he'll be drunk and then he'll give his kid a hard time this kid will start to cry He'll throw his uh, championship ring out the window. His kid will find it because his kid still wants his approval. Uh, uh, and then at the very end, he'll come to the realization, yep, I'm a real piece of shit, and that kid still cares about me. So I love him, and he did a good job. I'll give him the ring, and we'll be friends again. Yay! I mean, for I a guy he- who wasn't an actor, he was really good in this. When I – I don't, I don't know what Mr. Faith Hill looks like on site. Mm. Um, I know what Mrs. Faith Hill looks like on site, but I don't really yep. know what Tim McGraw looks like. And so when I saw him in the IMDb, I'm like, that's a weird coincidence. Some other guy named Tim McGraw who's an actor. Yep. <laughs> like, he was really good in this. I thought he was great. Now, this was pre-blind. He was in the blind side, too, where he was really I'm good. I'm watching that. Also Not football. movie is no? problematic. <laughs> Is it? Watching that, yeah. Michael oh. was like, "This is bullshit." I had a bed before. He's like, "This is this is absurd." Um, the Tim McGraw, Mister Faith Hill's character, and his dynamic with his son, I think, inspired the Taylor Kitsch, um, Tim Riggins, and like his brothers' like dynamic, which is actually very interesting in the in the TV series. Um, and I have to say it before the end of the pod, like, you know, Taylor Kitsch and I are pretty tight. Yeah, your close <laughs> personal friend, Taylor Kitsch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we met one time. <laughs> <laughs> you have like multiple pictures with or of him I know, have, in the same area. Yeah. Dana and I were in, we're at Mean Eyed Cat and, we, mm-hmm. and he was at the table next to us and we were just trying to not fangirl. And then, um, and then one time I went out without Dana and she did not hold me back. It happens. I'm sorry. So I, I got, yeah. I fangirled and got a picture of him, but he's a great actor. Maybe you got to do what you got to do. Listen, you got to shoot your shot. Maybe he'll come out on the pod sometime. I don't know. I mean, that'd be great. We got to open spot. I forgot, I forgot to ask him. 
<laughs> anyway, um, so you mentioned, Dana, that we don't know if we're going to get into some quotables. Um, actually, the next section here was some iconic lines, which is a, I think, a great segue into potent quotables. What did you say? My notes were destroyed in a tragic printer accident earlier today, so I don't really have any quotes. I'm going to let you guys kind of run off with these. Great printer fire of 2020. It's a tragedy. Mm -hmm. That was some good stuff. When he's given that first speech at the beginning, we will win state. We will win state. Can you be perfect? I was like, okay, perfect. And, and then he goes on to be like, perfect doesn't mean what I insinuated it to mean earlier. You don't have to be perfect, perfect. Perfect means something else. But yeah. Perfect asterisk. There's a, there's a part where there's like a radio, uh, where they're talking on the radio and they're talking about, some people say the stadium money should have gone to the school. Isn't the stadium part of the school? This is football country, folks. Come on now. I'm like, yep, that, that sounds like a very common West Texas kind of trope where, yeah, we don't really care if the school gets the money because, you know, football's part of the school and football's more important. I don't think this is like a very quotable movie. I think it was more about like the holistic, but um, there was like, I think Dave, you mentioned like that whole quote, that whole like quote about being perfect. Mm -hmm. and he, And I wrote it down. To me, being perfect is not about the scorecard out there. It's not about winning. It's about you and your relationship to yourself and to your family and to your friends. Being perfect is about being able to look your friends in the eye and know that you didn't let them down because you told them the truth. And the truth is that you did everything you could. There isn't one more thing that you could have done. Can you live in that moment as best as you can with clear eyes and the love in your heart, with joy in your heart, and if you can do that, gentlemen, then you're perfect. And I think that's where the clear eyes, full hearts can't lose mm -hmm. phrase um, came so, into yeah. effect. I kept waiting for that to be said. And then I just realized <laughs> it ne they never said it. I, yeah. I think that's where it came I, from. In that speech, I'm like, here it comes. Here it comes. It didn't quite get there. Um, I will say that speech, um, and really Coach Gaines in general, um, I wrote down in my notes, Coach Gaines is just Coach Still with better players on the team. Like, mm -hmm. this, I, we talked about, like, what a hard-ass and, like, what a, at times, sadistic coach my high school coach was. Um, there was a different side to him where he really, really did care about us as men. It was a very big deal to him. He'd always say that, you know, his number one job was to make sure that we left better men than we came into the program. Um, it's so easy in these kind of movies to depict the head coach as like the really rude, like mean drill sergeant meathead who like doesn't give a shit about his players and only wants to win. And they could have done that with this one, especially with all the outside pressure being put on coach Gaines. But like, you know, they did a good job of giving him heart, letting us know that he really did care about his players a lot. Um, he wasn't like in a rush to get Louis miles back onto the field when he, he was hurt. Um, you know, there were a couple of moments. There's a part where he talks to Billingsley and he's like, can you do this? Like, can you hold on to the ball? And it wasn't like, you suck, you're going to drop it. It's like, I need you to understand this is important. Like, can you, can you come through in this moment for us? Um, so, yeah, I thought that was, it was, it was refreshing 
to see a coach in a movie, it's kind of like seeing Denzel in Remember the Titans. Like a coach who wants to win is going to coach his players really hard, is going to yell at them when they mess up and really kind of get on their ass, but really does have like their human development at heart of what he does. I, that was very much coach still to me all over the place. If we had a top notch program, which we did not. Do you think they developed the character of Billy Bob Thornton to be able to like truly do that? Like, Nope. Nope. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it was like 65% there, but like we needed a little bit more. They didn't develop him at all. And really the only player they really developed was Billingsley. Like what we know Winchell's mom is sick. Anybody know what she has? People seem to think she's mentally ill, but yeah. okay, could be seem that way. And yeah, I, I didn't know what was wrong with her. I Chavez didn't really have anything to do with any kind okay. of development. Um, Ivory Christian preacher, who we find out at the end of the movie is the only one of these guys to get a Division One contract, meaning he's the best player on the team, had no development other than like he puts on a mean mug and like doesn't talk mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like he had that really great speech at halftime in the championship game. But aside from that, yeah. he got no development. Like none of these players, none of these characters had any development. There's even that scene where I guess it was like the sheriff pulls up in the Corvette to threaten coach Gaines. I didn't know what he was threatening him about. <laughs> like did he have money on the game? Was he just that in I they this this I think does work so much better as a TV show when you can get into all of this stuff because it all felt very shallow to me, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, because you could tell there was a lot of heart there. And I'm sure a three and a half hour Zack Snyder cut would be great. But I, it just, it felt like it was missing a lot. Yeah. Well, it was Peter, one of like Peter Berg's like earliest films, like directorial ones. So like maybe he gets better at it. But yeah, like I think a lot of the times that they, they tried to get us to care about Billy Bob, coach Billy Bob Thornton. Um, it was just really weird things. Like he's hanging out in Winchell's bedroom and I'm like, hard pass, get the fuck out of this kid's house. Right. Um, or like he's having dinner with like Booby and his uncle. I'm like, in what world am I having dinner with my like coach and my parents? And that's it. Like it just, oh, it rained so, and maybe it's because it's small town, West Texas, but there are just so many things that I was like so distracted from these, moments of like caring because I was like there isn't a realm of a possibility where I would like as a coach or an athlete want any of this to happen to me right now like it was the, the dinner bizarre. dinner with coach was a thing coach still would do um he never did it with me because I think it was mostly like quarterbacks and um he was a quarterbacks coach probably mostly with like the quarterbacks and receivers and stuff but he would like pop on over to your house for dinner sometime and like if you had a good game he would talk to your parents after the game and say, hey, let's come and basically brag about your kid and how great he is in front of you to, like, make him look great for you guys. Um, so that was that didn't strike me as that odd. Uh, him being in the bedroom was weird. I don't know. That was, that was out of the ordinary. And I think when they have that shot of the 50,000 for sale signs in front of his house, yeah. like, Ooh. okay, Cold like, drive home, spend some time, like – we should have had a scene of them like in their bedroom that night with him being like, man, like, I don't know what we're going to do. 
And when his wife is like, maybe Alaska would be nice, like drive into those moments more so we can really understand kind of the stress that comes with this. They did it, I think, a little bit too sparingly. Yeah, I feel like I would have loved this movie to be like two hours and 15 minutes, which mm-hmm. I never say, but I feel like, <laughs> but I feel like they had like, of the movie was football and then 10% of the movie was like developing the characters and they should have done like 65 to 35. And if you had to make it longer to make that happen, um, because like if you watch the TV show, like obviously the Billingsley family is the Riggins family. And then the Saracen, Matt Saracen and his, his grandmother is, um, I don't even remember the guy, Mike, yeah, Mike, the the quarterback, and his his mom, and like there were like a lot of parallels and like stories you could bring out. It doesn't mean you have to like have a whole TV series for it, although the TV series helped. But like you could have had a little bit less football and a little bit more heart, um, sure. and make it a little bit longer. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like I feel like even like. The Disney formula for sports movies is really, they know what they're doing. Like, remember they the Titans know. and Miracle are two of my all-time favorite films. Um, and I, Mighty Ducks. Ducks. Miracle's the greatest. I've Mighty, Ducks. Mighty Ducks in decades. Mighty I, Ducks. I'm, I'm sorry, horror. that's the best films of all time. Brink, okay. motocrossed. They but you know, like, they're able, like, we get to know about the, like, the coach and we get to learn about, the, and it's like, we don't sacrifice the sports of it all. Like, I still think, so yeah, I just... I think, yeah, there are ways they tried to, this is one of those situations where they just try to do a little too much. Um, I didn't need to see kids getting tackled. I was like, CTE is rampant in this movie. A lot, a lot just, of this random bleeding in this movie. There, there, there was a part, <laughs> I, think you. The, I think it was during halftime when he just snots out blood all over the ground. I'm like, this yeah. is fucking graphic, man. Yeah, I understand I, that it was a really physical game, but I didn't need to see that part. I, think I played w- football for, for six years. Um, I would have played longer, but when it got to Naperville, they deemed me too big for football. So I wow. couldn't play Pop Warner. I was, I was this size, basically, at like 10. So I was too big to play until middle school. I think I could count facial injuries on one hand that I saw. These guys, there was a point I'm like, are you guys wearing helmets at all? Because mm-hmm. everyone's got like abrasions and cuts and they got bloody noses. I'm like, what are you, what are you, what game are you playing? So it's like people with like grown, so it's like people with grown nails, like sticking their hands in. Yeah. Like, oh, Jesus. Wild. I've never seen that degree of facial, facial lacerations during a football game in my life. Every game in the locker room. They Every take game. The helmet, and I'm like, were you in a street fight? <laughs> like it was, yeah, I was very taken aback. I will say though, again, listening to the podcast and like doing, you know, extra research. Would you, Dave? I know, I'm being (laughs) Dave this week. Um, I will say though that like these kids like went extra hard because it was like basically all they had. It was like. You got a cage in front of your face. I'm like, their equipment doesn't work. It's it's so hard to get your hand or anything past the face mask. All I'm saying. All I'm saying there is there was a couple there were a couple close quotes in the movie like at some point you got to worry about the safety of these kids like they, <laughs> in the final yes. game and they, I have thoughts about that I yeah but they that. but they were like 
basically being taught to like act as street fighters and like be tougher than any other football team because that literally is all they had so like i mean if you if you get injured or if you're fucked up by like listen the end of your if it's if it's if it's concussions and sprained ankles and like a twisted knee and all of that even like a broken arm a broken leg i get that i just i don't know what game you're playing where you finish and take your helmet off and it's like you went two rounds with a young Tyson. Like, I don't know how your face falls off like skateboard pee. I, right, I, it could not make sense of that. <laughs> All right, fine. I, I don't know that either. It was disturbing. Yeah. So I think this is a good way, a good way to segue into what's your problem? There's a couple of problematic things we touched on. Billingsley's dad already. Um, this guy, somebody should have called like DCFS or something. He is textbook abusive dad. He just stands there, watches son, watches his son start to get it on, just looks at him. Like a really weird look on his face, like, ooh. I truly there thought he was gonna throw his son off and sexually assault that poor girl. <laughs> oh my god. Like yeah, when I saw him standing there diet. creepy. Yeah, that kind of like, oh, you gotta run. You in danger, girl. Like that. <laughs> I did not like that one bit. I thought he was gonna like coach him through it. It's like, ah, oh, can oh. you get this right? You gonna drop the ball here too? <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh, and somehow better than what I thought was gonna happen. Yeah, I try to keep it at least like somewhat PG thirteen. I, I mean, don't know. Woof. Um, so uh other problematic stuff. Uh this might be like a heavy one, um, but like some of the racial stuff, just bringing it up and then never really talking about it. So like, weird. Feeling the need to like point it out. Um, I guess like the one that was just like overarchingly terrible for me was when they were playing like um, Dallas Carter. And I think we kind of touched on it a little bit, but like how that team had to be the big black team from the city. And I was just like, can we not do this? Like, do we have to like, Myth like mythologize and they're super huge, they're giants, and this poor little white team. And I was just like, I don't need this in my life. I would really like this to be over. Like, it got a lot of thoughts. First of all, um, now listen, my team never went to the state championship. I don't imagine the coaches get together and like negotiate terms of where you're gonna play, who's gonna be the refs. Like, that seems like the state board decides all that stuff. Um, it was difficult to watch these play, these coaches act like, what is this racism of which you speak? That <laughs> one of their wives full on called booby the N word in front of everybody and nobody even reacted to that. Yeah. Um, but I think what bothered me the most, like I get, I wasn't as thrown off by like the, they are gigantic because they're from Dallas. Like they're from a big city. You guys are from the middle of nowhere. Like, I, they probably have a great weight room. <laughs> like, I bet they have a great nutrition program. That didn't bother me as much. What bothered me the most, and this, like, legitimately upset me, we went through this whole negotiation process to find out who are the refs going to be because presumably an all-white ref team is not going to give Dallas Carter a fair shake, which I think does bear some, you know, that, that, that is a real concern to have. My problem is, during the game, 
there was one egregiously missed bad call. And it was in favor of Dallas Carter. And who was the one who made the call and like stuck yeah. up to the other refs about it? Oh, it was the black ref. So after all, Permian was right. Can't have these black refs out there making these black calls for this black team. I'm like, oh, you got this is so I was mad about that. I'm like, come on, man. No one needed that. That was unfortunate. It was a very blown call that everybody could see at home. I just, I don't know. <clears throat> I just think, I feel like I had to like write a paper on this in high school. And I just like, we don't need to like further propagate this idea that like big black people are superhuman. And this, I don't know. Right. That was my, I see your point with the black ref makes a bad call. Could happen though. It's a lot happening there. There's 50,000 people, but yeah, that sure. really, I think, it would have bothered me a lot more if like Hoosiers bothers me because they do this. This would have bothered me a lot more if not for the fact that like we're acknowledging that Booby Miles, Ivory Christian and Chris Comer are like the best players on this team. So it's not like it's the all white team of like downtrodden, you know, tryhards that is up against a team of, you know, six foot eight inch bodybuilders who are all black. It's like, well, in my mind, it's like, yeah, if you're if you're from a small town, like we have that here. If you watch um, like Iowa high school football, like their their state tournament, the teams that always win. I mean, we have a legitimate powerhouse that um, our guest from last week, Nick, went to. Um, you know, Des Moines. Uh, there's a couple of really really big teams in Des Moines, and uh, Dowling Catholic is like the perennial powerhouse of the state of Iowa. And then uh, West Des Moines Valley, which is the public school in Des Moines, is the other one. And you look at them play against these teams from like uh, Dallas Center Grimes, like these little small towns in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, we, we have this thing in Iowa where our towns are all funny names. There's a town that's spelled Buena Vista, but it's pronounced Buena Vista. There's a town called Nevada, but it's pronounced Nevada. Like all of these little well, tiny towns. Missouri does that too. Yeah. Well, I, I know what it is. Um, all these towns were named after like actual places, but before radio was invented. So no one knew that you pronounced Nevada, Nevada. They looked at it and they thought, oh, it's pronounced Nevada. You would look at Buena Vista if you speak no Spanish. And they, oh, B-U-E-N-A, it's Buna. So yeah, that's, I think that's just a Midwest thing in general. Because it's like, oh, this sounds like an exotic place in this newspaper. I have never heard someone pronounce it. I bet it's pronounced like this. Um, but yeah, like I, when you watch those games, it's like, yeah, the, the town from, you know, West Bend, Iowa, population 75, the biggest kid is five foot 10. <laughs> like you look at Dowling, they're all giants because they're from the metro where we have great food and nutrition programs and weights and all that. That bothered me a lot less than the, the one black coach overruling or one black ref overruling all the white refs to make a bad call for the black team. Yeah. That, that, uh, stuck in my craw. All right. Mm. That's fair. Midland Lee running onto the field to <laughs> Dixie as their fight song. Oh Fuck them. My God. I was Dixie like, I understand it's, song. it's 1988. I'm like, but they, they gussied that song up with the marching band. And I'm like, Fuck that song. And actual Robert E. Lee is the mascot, too. I'm like, yeah. oh. Yeah. 
you they lost. would have had a whole conversation renaming all of that if this was 2020. Yeah. That Maybe. if that game happened, that, well, Maybe. I think there would there would be a conversation. I don't know if it would go anywhere, but I think the announcer would have to announce, here comes Midland Lee. They're embroiled in quite a controversy right now. <laughs> Several players refuse to take the field tonight. Like it would have been a whole discussion about like an uprising among the players to not play with that name on their jersey. That's fair. Yeah. I'm just going to round it out going back to Mr. (laughs) Billingsley. (laughs) The fighting on the field, the watching him, watching him, his son have sex with this girl Mm -hmm. and like maybe encroaching on that. But also he ducks tape, he duct tapes his son's hand to a football in a rage during that. And and then hang on to a dummy. Yeah, and then later, um, when Don is like gone on to these like championship games and is like finding his dad like drunk as shit in the parking lot and having to drive mm-hmm. him home, he literally kicks out Don's windows. <laughs> Both of them, like, in the car in, in on the drive sequence. home, and yeah. telling him that he's a failure. Like, if nothing else fucks you up in life, like that is going to be it. Well, and we should also point out, he kicks the windows out because he says he needs some air because watching him play makes him sick. <laughs> like, Just that like the is... way his dad used to beat him with a uh, bullwhip with knots on the end right. of it. And when his dad would do that, it would make him sick. I feel the same way. And I was just like, oh, let's keep the cycle of abuse churning. It was... Listen, my dad and I had one argument over football. One ever. And... It, we, it was my senior year. Um, we must have lost a game or whatever. And I hated my coach. We talked shit about him. He can't coach at all when we did varsity blues. My dad was like really tearing into him. And for some reason, I was like, dad, like, he's not that bad of a coach. And then my dad got really mad at me for sticking up for him and said that we lost the game because we were being too nice and we were afraid to hurt the other team and blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to like, get in my dad's face over it. We had a very like heart to heart conversation the next morning. What is it? Hey man, listen, like I, I was upset last night. Like, I think we, we both kind of let emotions run wild. Like it's not, I don't, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. Like that was not what Billingsley's dad did. The next morning he's like, Hey man, sorry, your car's fucked up, but you had it coming. Basically (laughs) it was like the whole tone of their conversation. Um, yeah, the the other thing with him, when he throws his ring out the window and poor sad Don like pulls a U-turn to go find it, his dad gets out of the backseat of the car and honest to God, I'm like, he's going to run his son over with this car, isn't he? <laughs> get behind that wheel and run his son over with this car. That's going to be the sad, like, he's going to murder his son now. That dude was a wreck of a yeah. human being. It's not good for the hood to lay on it. It's not good for the hood to lay on it. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that, but I'm like, man, you're gonna get you're gonna have like a rivet on a jean, it's gonna scratch, man. Don't don't be doing that to people. Do not do that. Not a good idea. All right. Before we get into the end of this pod, anything else that we wanna touch on? The coin toss. You bring oh, your own coin? Oh. What the fuck? Bring your own coin. And then the dude and, tried and, to and fake me got hands. <laughs> 1922 silver dollar can't see either side who cares i'll throw it <laughs> that was so stupid 
I did not understand. I, I was like a fucking coin toss. We're not going to do point differential. We're not going to like coin Shared toss. Opponent. Yeah. And then I also <laughs> was just like, I don't understand what's going on. After, it was like so much of it. I was just like, I'm just not going to pay attention. It was that like undisclosed a truck location, stop. A truck yeah. like, stop. An undisclosed truck stop. We've been yeah. doing we've been doing coin tosses since the league started in 1921. So we'll keep doing 1921. it. Nineteen because and, of tradition. But was it like so? It was odd man out, right? I kept having to be like, how do you yep. win or lose it? Like, yeah. it was, why don't we just do rock paper scissors? Whoever has like, a match. It, until it's <laughs> right. two out of three. Until it's two out of three, you keep going. If if they're all the same, or if yeah. there's just one, you have to keep going. Or or it's <laughs> like if it's one and then two or the other, the one heads gets to move along and then the other two go until one gets heads it was very okay. unclear and yeah stupid. and i'm, I'm pretty sure that. the guy the guy who tried to fake like he won two was the one that was using a regular nickel so like it's not even like oh that's a that's a that's a weird coin i can't tell what the heads is like this you, a regular ass nickel he's like oh that's a that's a head i bet <laughs> there was like a nickel doing? and a quarter and then like this silver dollar but they were you know, all from like weird years. Yeah, but you can always they were like tell weird what's ahead or a tail. I, d- I don't understand. That guy was trying to bluff, and it, that was a kind of confidence that is foreign to me. <laughs> to be like, I'm gonna pull this off. Y'all, and, I have like I come from a long line of coin collectors. You know ahead oh. or tail. Well, all right. I will be damned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that be a different episode. <laughs> I got a quick question. Did you guys ever do the Our Father in the locker room? Is that okay? Uh, so I mentioned that all of our coaches were very serious born-again Christians. We prayed all the time okay. um, at our public school. We prayed a lot. I mean, if it's okay, if everyone's okay with it, fine. But I always thought textile no, and so on and so forth. But the, the way that they did it, so on our team, we had at least one Jewish kid whose great uncle was Fiverr Finkel. Yes. If you're familiar with Fiverr Finkel's work. I've um, loved Fiverr Finkel, Boston yeah, Public. Boston Public. Um, and then we also had a kid who I believe is Hindu. Um, so we had at least two kids who were not Christian. And before, we used to have um, a catered meal uh, before the game after school we'd have dinner together and we would have to say grace before the meal. And the first week of the season, our coach was like, listen, um, he gave us a whole long spiel about how important Jesus is to his life and how he has been saved and blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, listen, we're going to do a prayer here. Um, if anybody objects to us doing the prayer, you can go ahead and stand up right now and tell us and we won't do it. But uh, if everyone's okay with it, then we're going to go. And I'm like, no one's going to stand up no one. in front of the whole team and be like, well, no. I object, coach. Like, sure. Plus, I mean, I used to go to Fellowship of Christian Athletes events. I haven't been to church since 19 something. But like, I used to go because it was going to help my clout on the team to act like I love Jesus and stuff. Yeah, that mm. was, it, it was not okay. But who are we yeah. going to tell? Yeah, like they did the the uh, they did the Protestant version too, so it left out the Catholics. They did the uh-huh. for that for for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. The Catholics don't do that. Uh uh-uh. uh it's not part of our version of it. I, I I'm not a good Catholic, but I remember a couple of things, and that's yeah, that um yeah, it was a lot. I just had one thing like so when I used to coach, we would play against like Catholic schools, and we were a Quaker school, which you get like a lot of kids of a lot of different religions because Quakerism is pretty. 
three, whatever. Mm -hmm. And we would play the Catholic schools. And then like afterwards they were like, do you want to pray with us? And like, we'd all like had shaken hands and getting the kids were walking to the bench. And I'd always have to go like, Oh no, thank you. No, like I was like, half my team is Jewish. I don't want to pray. I would not make prayer hands. Like I just, listeners can't see that, but I would just go, Oh, you know, We'll pass, but thank you for thinking of us. Or like, it was every yes, time. If you could pray for us, uh, away from us, that'd be yeah, I was like, go ahead and do your prayers, but we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna step off. As we're Quakers, we're not, we're not getting down with that. It was every time it was so awkward. I was like, I should learn uh, how to deal with this. I but mean, yeah. what I wouldn't give for a coach, like, no, it's okay. We don't have to pray right now. Like, we prayed before every game, after every game. If somebody got hurt, we'd pray. Like, it was a constant thing for a team at a public high school to be praying. Especially in Naperville, where I feel like religion wasn't fanatical at all. No. Like people, we like, also had a bunch of Mormon modern. kids. We had a handful <laughs> of Mormon <laughs> dudes on that team, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, man, not okay. But uh, one of the things that we like to do on this podcast is kind of take a look at a minor character to see if this movie was the peak of their whole career or just kind of started big things for them. So it is time for an IMDb deep dive. Megan, who are you diving on this week? Um, so, I, you know, I, I took a little bit of a, a very deep dive. It was, oh. yeah, I don't actually know that we saw this person on film ever, but what? we... <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, but we heard him over several games. Mm. Okay. It was Slam and Sammy stands. Oh, okay. The guy who did like the radio announcing um, for the team, his name was Bob Thomas, or BT during this movie. BT. Um, and if you listen to or watch Friday Night Lights, the TV series, it was Slam and Sammy Needs, took a lot of, um, a lot, I guess, a lot of like pieces from this guy. Anyway, BT was born in Virginia. He grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and he began his life as a radio DJ when he was 16. And so he played in this film, sort of the, the small town radio announcer that was always like digging into the um, football team, football game, like, you know, it was like a Monday night and he was talking about the next Friday night game, all the things. Anyway, he is also the father and the acting coach of teen actor Jake Thomas, who he is um, Lizzie McGuire's brother, Matt McGuire in the Disney show. Oh, okay. I've never seen that show, so I've, that means nothing to me. I know who that dude is. All right. Okay. Um, he also went and did a lot of other things in his career, but Bob had a few cameos on that show. Um, Bob also was a top radio announcer in the in country music radio for 25 years. Wow. Like very interesting. And he owned a talent management company called Paradise Management. Um, and that's where he connected with country star Kenny Chesney. Quite a life on this yeah. day. I know. Um, and Kenny Chesney also loves the Caribbean, which is where the, the origins of um, the radio, sh the, the radio um, show name. And then he said, Kenny used to tell me, Bob, 
I know I can do this. I can be a successful country singer. You've got to help me. And so Bob did that and Kenny made it. So Bob was instrumental in Kenny Chesney being a big star. Um, and he says he's, Kenny Chesney is the most determined man he's ever met. Well, it's a solid dive. <laughs> and, and in 2017, Bob ran for mayor of Knoxville, which is... And, and lost? Uh, <laughs> oh, he, he, I was going to say, did he lose to uh, professional wrestler Kane? But that's not yes. Knoxville. That's somewhere else. Yes. Who, who's the no, it, yep. Mm -hmm. It was <laughs> Glenn Jacobs himself, Isaac Yankum, DDS. Oh, yep. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah I, if, Knoxville does like a county mayor thing, not like a city yeah. mayor. There's like a it's general county. area. Yeah. And I guess Kane beat this guy. Man. If, if, uh, if the listeners aren't familiar, do a quick Google image search for Isaac Yankum DDS. Uh, that was Glenn Jacobs, the wrestler, his original gimmick in the WWF. And this dude, I'm assuming those are fake teeth <laughs> that he mm. wrestled all the time. But it was like, it was like a comically messed up hillbilly grill on this like sadistic dentist character that had him playing for a while there. It's, I mean, it's the, embarrassing shit. The side by side of Bob Thomas and this guy <laughs> was just wild. Eight to seven foot one or whatever. So yeah. Like, yeah, that's like, you ever seen the picture of um, Kristen Chenoweth with uh, Bo Ben, the basketball player? Uh, her, the top of her head is like at his waistband height. It's, it looks like you're making an optical illusion. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, listeners, I, I, look at Kristen Chenoweth and Boban, B-O-B-A-N, because that is fucking hilarious. I will say, though, Bob Thomas, BT, a great career. Radio, TV, yeah. film. Even his, his kid had an acting yeah. job for a while. Good for him. Yeah. Great. Kenny Chesney. That's a good dive. Sounds yeah, good. I was, I was, I'm happy you didn't do a deep dive onto uh, the guy that played Chris Comer, because we had all been crying by the end of this. No, I mean, I had to pick their selective. It is dark. Um, well, guys, that brings us to the end of the podcast. And just like the end of the school year, that means it's time to hand out some superlatives. So first of all, to preface this, they did that thing at the end of the movie where they kind of give you the update on where all the characters wound up after the movie ended. Uh, nobody wants to hear all that. So I'm going to ignore all of those. Ignore um, them. Do it. Ignore them. This didn't even happen. This is not based on a true story at all. Uh, <laughs> Winchell is most likely to look back in 40 years and really regret turning down that Kansas Wesleyan opportunity. Mm. Billingsley is most likely into a full-blown fist fight with his dad during his wedding reception. Uh, Booby Miles is most likely to be the subject of a heartbreaking ESPN 30 for 30. Word to Marcus Dupree, because that dude is a long-haul truck driver. Uh, Chavez is most likely to be forgotten about when his teammates talk about their 1988 season, because that dude did not need to be in this fucking movie. Yeah, went to Homer. He went to Har I, I knew nothing about him. <laughs> he was. Anonymous. I know, but he was like a great character. I think he made big plays. He just we didn't know a thing about him. We didn't know a thing about anyone. In this movie. No, uh, nothing. Yeah, Chavez a little bit plays. less. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little slightly less than everyone else. Uh, Comer is most likely to show up for the first day of his senior season referring to himself in the third person. And last but not least, Ivory Preacher Christian is most likely to become a fixture of the WWF Attitude Era Nation of Domination. 
for any listeners who are familiar with the nation domination, he would fit right in with that not saying a word, just being scary and black. Uh, Dana, the next pick is yours. What are we going to watch next week? Um, so this was really tough. There's a part of me that was just like, let's keep it rolling with football movies. But I refrained. I will save that choice for another time. Um, and I decided to go with She's All That. She's All That, a touching rom-com. Okay. Never seen it. Hooray. Never seen it yet. Yeah, never seen it, but I'm very familiar with the, the plot of it, I think. Um, it, yeah, it's not a fave, but let's do uh, it. <laughs> it's a, no, it, 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 it's a Rachel Lee Cook joint. I love Rachel Lee Cook. She's fantastic. I have thoughts about it, so we should talk about it. Okay. I will say our best performing episodes are our rom-com episodes, um, because Save the Last Dance, well, not much of a rom-com, but Save the Last Dance and also John Tucker Must Die are like fan favorites at this point. <laughs> so also, hopefully this will really- keep that going. We were really mean in those episodes. So maybe oh, I'm gonna be mean. Oh, we were, we were mean as <laughs> shit. In I, both I of those episodes. Personally, I think the reason that people have gone back to listen to Save the Last Dance so many times is because we reference how much we shit all over Julia Stiles, like on a routine basis. So it's like, yeah. I've noticed that after we do an episode where we're mean about Julia Stiles, that one gets a spike in listeners the next week. So I think... I think we found a winning formula here, folks. Um, we haven't talked about Julia in a while. Just call her Julia. Freddie Prince. Be Man. mean. To, okay, I'll be mean to Freddie Prince. No, no not Freddie. What? <laughs> no, 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 we not know that Freddie. one. Well, we no, have people, connections. People seem to like it when yeah. we're mean to people, so let's be mean That's to Dana's people. close personal <laughs> friend, Freddie Prince Jr. No, okay. yeah. <laughs> we're trying to get him to come on the pod here. We can't, we can't oh, yeah. talk shit about him just yet. But, uh, um, but I'll have plenty of other things to say. Don't you guys Yeah. Worry. That'll be fantastic. Guys, uh, that does it for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to tell a friend. Pop on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, be sure to subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Leave us a nice review. And if you didn't like what you heard, don't be surprised if you wake up tomorrow morning and find 5,000 for sale signs in your front yard, Coach Gaines style. Take it easy, millennials. We will see you next week.